umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're here to talk about hopefully pulling some of the michigan fans back from the ledge after michigan's disappointing 37 to 33 loss to Michigan State up in East Lansing. Well, Clint, what'd you think about that one? I mean, it was it was painful. It was excruciating. You know, it was a a, a life lesson that I had to uh, talk through with my seven year old about. You know, sometimes sports is hard if you're playing sports or uh, watching sports. You know, that uh, disappointment is is part of it. And bouncing back is the more important part of it. So it's it's an all-too-common feeling and refrain, and and certainly is frustrating. But, uh, you know, I I am glad that uh, you kind of opened with with trying to pull everybody back from the ledge because that's certainly not – all hope is not lost, that's for sure. But um, that was a uh, really, really particularly painful game to let slip away. because I thought, I thought that they were playing well enough to win, and had they been able to stay the course and, and keep marching to the beat that they were on, um, probably probably should have you know stretched it out and really put that game away at a couple different spots. So it was it was frustrating and painful, but uh, you know hopefully we can hopefully we can uh, get everybody to uh, to see the light at the end of the tunnel and. Uh, you know, and, and the team and the coaching staff can, you know, start restart the engine here and start actually driving towards the light at the end of the tunnel here, and not not get stuck in the in the darkness right here. So, on a personal level, you know, I I made a, a pretty bold prediction that Michigan would win at, by you know ten fourteen points last week, right? And the amount of grief I got from people. So I'm sitting at the game. And Michigan has their 16-point lead. And I have to tell you, sitting there at the stadium watching it, it felt like it was about to be a blowout. It felt like that Michigan was about to run away with it. And, and I have to say I was pretty happy with myself, you know, pretty, pretty pleased with my prediction. And then for it to turn and end up to be such a disappointing loss, I think – you know, one of the things that I really try to project to people on this podcast is, yes, we may have media access. You know, we may get to talk to the team. We may have press credentials. But that doesn't make me any less of a fan. And it it doesn't make things like this hurt any less. And, um, you know, at, at the you know, you were talking about talking to your son about, well, sports is disappointing. You know, the day that a game like this a loss for my beloved Wolverines doesn't hurt is the day that I probably should stop doing this right now. I wish, I wish that I was on the winning end of more of these, right? Um, I, uh, I work with a number of Ohio state fans and Michigan state fans. And I always tell myself, you know, I'm, I'm really tired of being such a good loser in these big games. Right. And, and that's kind of, it's kind of how I feel. So, um, you know, back, back to the, the, the game at hand, um, you know, Michigan comes out with that huge, I mean, just 
it seemed like everything that could go right was going right. You know, they had that interception, which, you know, they they got down within the five-yard line, and, and you're thinking, oh, well, this could be bad, right? And then they come right back and do that, you know, 93-yard pass. And just just another dagger. And you're like, wow. And, and I will tell you, Clint, being at the game, it was quiet. That shut the place down. Um, so, again, so much went Michigan's way. I think if I had to um, generalize the game, you know, in, in one sentence it's, or one phrase, it's Michigan brought a knife to a gunfight, right? And you will, um, I mean, any team alive will trade field goals for touchdowns, right? If you get into that kind of exchange, it generally, um, you know, it doesn't end well for you. And again, you know, Coach Harbaugh t- addressed it in the media availability. It's not something they planned on, but it's something that, you know, we, we talk about the red zone and, and man, it, it, it was a killer not being able to convert some of those uh, field goals to touchdowns. I, the first thing is that it, it's, it's something that since Gaddis took over in 2019, it's something that Michigan has been better on, you know, I'll, in 2017, they, they averaged 4.2 points per scoring opportunity, 4.3 in 2018. When Gaddis came in, it immediately jumped up to 4.8 and in 2019, 4.9 in 2020. And this year, it's dipped back down to 4.6, but that's still better than 18 and, and 17. So it, it's something that they've been better at is scoring when, when they cross the opponent's 40 with a fresh set of downs. Um, but it was especially frustrating. It was part of uh, Bill Connolly, who you know we we utilized the SP Plus uh, model and, and analysis and and uh, five factors uh, frequently um, as part of our conversation. And Connolly's preview article was, "Hey, you know that might be the thing because Michigan State is really good at." Uh, tightening up in the red zone, the bend but don't break model of defense, and and Michigan, as an offense, uh, has bogged down some t- you know uh, more times than they're they're used to. So that could play an outside role, outsized role in this game, and then it came you know to be you know for sure that they were in the all the way in the red zone six times, scored two touchdowns, and kicked four field goals. And if you you flip one of those four field goals. You know, from a from a scoring margin standpoint, then you're tied. You know, and, and flip two of them, and you're ahead. So, definitely is um, is frustrating. I think, you know, uh, on the X's and O's side, there's a couple things that I, I personally think that that should tweak um, to be better in, in the reds in the red zone. But I, I'll tell you what, I, I think Michigan. What's going to help alleviate that in the last month of the season here? is that Michigan's going to find a way to be more explosive between the 40 and the 20. So not all the way down to the red zone. Uh, you know, they, they probably are who they are, but I think we're going to see more 25, 30, 35 yards scoring strikes um, in the last, uh, the last little bit of the season here, the last third of the season, because the passing game um, where we had a lot of questions, uh, you know, about, the receivers and we've had questions about the quarterbacks and the rotating quarterbacks and, and 
way more questions than answers. But after this game, I think um, we can really start to look and see whether we're going to start to hit some of those chunk plays and and score from you know twenty five thirty yards out before the windows get too tight for your for your passing offense. So um, that is where I think we're going to pick up and, and make up some of the slack. Uh, as opposed to all of a sudden adding some wrinkles to the run game that uh, that allow us to punch it in um, from inside the twenty, you know. But I think it is a, a legitimate critique of the play calling um, at some times where if we know if the coaching staff and, and their analytics uh, angle, you know, made a decision before the third down snap. So right after the second down play, let's say hypothetically it's uh, second and, and eight and there's an incomplete pass. So now you're facing third and eight. To me, right, I know this is four down territory that allows me to call pretty much anything in the playbook, right? If fourth down is a field goal attempt already in your mind, then you've got one play to get eight yards, Right. If I have decided this is four down territory, I've got two plays to get eight yards, and it, it kind of keeps your whole playbook open to you. So, just, just pushing the edge a little bit on, on going forward on fourth down, and how that might impact your third down play calling, is is another place that I that I certainly hope that uh, is a lesson that gets learned from from this game, and, and we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that. I had said previous to the game that we would know a lot more about Michigan as a team, whatever the result, okay? And I don't want anyone to think that I'm happy with what happened. But there were positives. And I think that, you know, when you have a really disappointing game, it's really easy to kind of flip 180 degrees and focus on what went wrong and and what you're disappointed in, right? But... Again, I think, you know, Cade McNamara had his best game as a Wolverine, right? Um, Clint, if I had told you prior to the game that Cade McNamara was going to throw for nearly 400 yards, I think we both would agree Michigan's winning by two or three touchdowns, right? Or we would at least be pretty pretty happy with that, right? Um, I think... Um, you know, you have Andrew Anthony as emerging as the number one receiver. You know, we talked about that a few podcasts. Who was the go-to guy? I think him and Eric all are definitely the go-to guys in different situations. Um, so there were definitely some positives. And, and, you know, Clint, you've talked about this in some of your tweets and in some of the previous podcasts. Listen, I'm disappointed to lose to Michigan State, but it's not like they're a high school team. Okay, it's not like they're a JV team. They're a very good team. Perhaps, and, and I'll tell you, both of the, I said prior to the game, both of these teams were going to kind of get a good look at themselves, right? I think what we what we saw is that they're both really good teams. And um, you talk about some of the play calling. I think, and, and here's where we get into some of the, uh, I think, uh, sh- shaky ground, right? So, listen... I'm going to talk about some of the officiating, but I'm not blaming the officials for the loss, okay? I'm going to talk about some of my disappointment in the broadcast. But, again, the broadcasters didn't lose the game, right? I think 
you can look at a few key moments and you have that, um, you know, early in the game, Blake Corum, they set up an amazing play. And, and I think you know, if you want to talk about the Michigan offense, look at the first touchdown to Andrew Anthony, Andrew Anthony and then the near huge play to Blake Corum. Those plays were set up awesome. I mean, you could see it. It was perfect. It was it. You had two huge opportunities, right? Andrew Anthony was able to convert his, and unfortunately, Blake Corum, who's been a huge performer all year, <clears throat> looked a little downfield and, and didn't catch the ball, right? So, listen, the officials didn't make Blake Corum drop the ball. Okay, the officials didn't make JJ McCarthy fumble late in the fourth quarter. Okay, so whenever I look at when people say, well, do the, when they want to criticize the officials, they lost the game, in air quotes, right? Wait a minute. Michigan was winning in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I think one of the things that people forget, and especially because we are Michigan, right, we play the majority of our games at home, okay? It is a consistent observation, okay, that, when, that the home team gets more calls by the officials, okay? And I have no metrics to point to that i'm just telling you as an observer that that generally happens the officials are people they are influenced by the crowd they are influenced by by the atmosphere okay so conversely when michigan goes on the road and suddenly they don't get a few calls okay some wolverine fans are shocked and i'm like well yeah that's what sucks about going on the road right now i'm not absolving the officials right there were some some real interesting calls, okay? And, and Clint, this is where I'm going to go on one of my rants, okay? This has nothing to do with Michigan winning or losing. This is one of my consistent observations with officiating, okay? That every player on the field, we know every statistic about, okay? They get ripped by the fans, by the media, and yet we have no metrics on how good the officials are. We have no... Um, visibility, no clarity on how many times they get reprimanded for a call or how, or how long they, you know, again, there's no stats on officials, right? So I will see things. And again, you see things when you're at the game versus the broadcast, right? And then you see things on the broadcast and you wonder what the heck were they thinking? So um, understand that, that my gripe about the officiating of the Michigan game is an overall gripe. Okay, I, I kind of shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. You know, um, the coaches and the players will come out after the game and have to answer questions. You almost never get that from the officiating. You get no explanation. You don't know what they were seeing. You don't know what they were thinking. So when you go back and see some of the calls, yeah, I, 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 I just I shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. And I think. You know, to, to kind of go off on a, another little mini rant here, if one thing that I, one positive that I see about um, legalized betting on collegiate sports is there is going to be a call for more um, transparency. And I think that, that officiating, I think officiator, official, officials all across the spectrum are going to have to up their game. And I think conferences are going to have to up their game in, in, um, how they train and, and regulate officials. And I think that that's, I think that's fair. Um, the, 
the overturned sack strip um, touchdown is is the toughest one to swallow, just because the n- nothing to do. I, I don't understand why they would have been looking at the shin going down to the ground for Peyton Thorne when the ball is moving within his hands as Ojaba stripped him while he was still standing upright, right? The loss, where did the loss of control happen in that whole process? Um, I, I thought it should have been confirmed with the video that we saw, but certainly not conclusive evidence to, to change what, what had happened on the field. So that's the one from the officiating standpoint that was the, the strangest. I think a lot of the other replays, you know, followed the same thing, but you know, they, I think that they got it right on replay outside of the, the sack strip touchdown. Um, but your, your call across, you know, all conferences and across all of the, uh, all of college football is it's well-founded. I, there, it's a, a multi-billion dollar, uh, industry and a sport. And, um, it's, it's time to invest in, in training and, and retaining, you know, full-time referees, not uh, not guys that are just part-time regional, uh, you know, working for peanuts as a side job and a side hustle because they enjoy being part of the game. You know, they, they it it's time to try to uh, professionalize your, your your referees as the NCAA. Um, but I, I don't. I'm not going to hold my breath. The NCAA is is not an organization that I put a whole lot of faith in to do the right things. So, Clint, you talk about the replays, okay? And it's part and parcel with a couple of things that aggravate me, okay? So, on one hand, and, and again, this is, it's so different when you're at the game versus watching the broadcast, right? That's why I always try to go back, watch the broadcast without the commentary, and then watch the broadcast with the commentary because the commentary is what a lot of people are influenced by. So, I will tell you, at the game, when Kenneth Walker kind of, uh, move the ball around on his touchdown, right? At the game, I was watching it in binoculars. I didn't see any, I, it didn't even cross my mind, right? I'm like, oh, no, what, what's everybody talking about, right? And then when you see the video replay, now listen, I think he scored a touchdown, okay? I'm I'm not saying it shouldn't, it should not have been, okay? But man, when you watch the replays, it sure makes you think. So then the thought is, okay, listen, the, the evidence is, or the rule is, unless there's clear evidence, you're not supposed to overturn. Okay, I get it. You know, okay, now let's go back to here's my problem with the broadcast, right? And again, consistent problem. You know, huge game with implications, right? I, I've said this before. How do you not have a camera permanently stationed on the goal line, okay? You see the pylon cam from some broadcasts, okay? That would help. I'll tell you, I don't know, understand why they don't have an overhead view with the sky cam on every, you know, goal line situation, right? So, okay, they're not going to, they're going to, not going to call back the touchdown with Kenneth Walker, Kenny Walker goes across. Okay, I get it. Well, then how do you justify, as you said, taking that touchdown off the, off the board with all those, with all those different views, right? You had an amazing play going happen, you know, huge turning point in the game. And, oh, we're looking at a shin. Well, wait a minute. The ball was moving all over the place. And, and, and see, this is where I would love for 
um, an official to come out after the game and say, hey, listen, we know there's a controversy. The rule is this, and here's how we saw it. Okay, I'm not saying the officials have to be perfect, but it drives me crazy that they don't have to offer an explanation. Okay, yeah. that somehow they are above the fray, right? And and I think it's it, again, it's a pet peeve of mine. And you know, from being involved in in uh, athletics at all levels, it's really frustrating to not understand, and uh, you know how a rule is interpreted or what they see. Because again, listen, I get it. They're they're people. They may not have seen it. But the whole point of having the video replay is to take advantage of all this technology. And I don't think the technology is optimally set up to handle the most important thing, scoring points. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. no, listen, that's not why Michigan lost. I don't want people to get to misconstrue this. Right. But understand that that it definitely chafes me because, oh, here we go again. Right. Here we go. And I'll tell you, when I saw the broadcast and they brought in the, the rules expert and he said, yeah, there's no way they should flip this. I'm like, yeah, that's what we were thinking at the game, right? Now, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you another one that officials could have helped us out on, okay? Andrew Anthony got called for holding, okay? Now, again, we don't have access to all the video replay. We He was kind of in the corner of a frame when it happened. If you want to see what holding looks like, Every time Aiden Hutchinson plays the ball, he is held. That is a hold, okay? Now, now maybe, okay, and you, you and I know this, okay, sometimes a player will be doing something repeatedly, and they'll, they'll finally throw the flag, right? So if the official comes out and says, yeah, listen, you know, we'd warned him, we'd been watching him, and he kept doing it, so we flagged him, I could understand that, right? But on the play that they flagged him, and move, you know, Michigan back. I, I'm like, God, that is the weakest hold I've ever seen in my life. When on the other side of the ball, you are completely ignoring Aiden Hutchinson being bear hugged on every play, right? So it's it's those kind of inconsistencies um, that that really irk me when, when I'm watching a game, especially when I'm watching a broadcast and can watch, uh, you know, the plays over and over again, and, and you know, makes me kind of roll my eyes. Yep, and and like you said, it the ref the the officiating is not the it's not the thing, right? It's it's a consistent thing. It's a consistent problem, and it certainly just kind of tears open all those old wounds <clears throat> when it comes up in a in a a big game where Michigan lost. But I I agree with you that it is not not the thing. You know, when if you go back to um, what we were talking about on the way into this game, right? The how how would you attack this Michigan defense if you were Michigan State, right? That was the question. Well, probably, you know, vary your uh, your alignments and, and use tempo to try to take advantage of, you know, the Michigan defense that tends to misalign, um, especially when, they're, when they've got personnel changeover. And that is another huge key to the game. And, and what we saw in this game is what I thought that Michigan may struggle with right early in the season. It's the reason I thought Michigan would have problems on defense early in the season with uh, a new coordinator uh, and changing levels of, of the sport, right? Coming from the NFL and coming to college where, where tempo teams are, are more common than, than in the NFL. In the NFL, most of the teams play a similar pace. It is uh, increasing over time here, but um 
there's not as much variance from the fastest team to the slowest team in the NFL as opposed to the college where, you know, some teams are snapping the ball every 12 or 13 seconds. And, uh, you know, teams that are slower, you know, take the whole the whole play clock. So that uh, certainly came to be, which was, you know, not something that I wanted to be right on by any means. Um, and then just individual plays. If it, any play that you, you bring up the video and then really look at where the key matchup was won or lost, and uh, if you were keeping score just on those plays, right? Michigan State made more plays than Michigan did. And, and I've seen, heard, and read, you know, some folks that don't necessarily think that that's a thing, right? That, that players making plays and high leverage moments and all those things that you and I seem to talk about on a regular basis. Maybe that's, uh, you know, that, that doesn't make sense in football. But I'll, I'll tell you this. We knew that Michigan State's offense was going to be reliant on the big plays, right? They were, I think that they had 395 or 394 total yards, right? Their, their plays of 20 yards or more, six of them, six plays that were longer than 20 yards. And those six plays accounted for 198 of the 394. More than half of their yardage came on six plays. And here are the, the scenarios that those plays came on. Only one of them did not end up leading to a touchdown. The first play, first quarter, they give up a Peyton Thorne scramble for 22 yards. We know Peyton Thorne ends up throwing the the interception that is, is more like a punt because we, we intercept the ball at like the two-yard line, right? That's the first big play. Second big play is a Kenneth Walker run, 27-yard touchdown. That's their next big play all the way in the second quarter. So you got off to a good start and, and gave up the one big play. That's going to happen. Okay. Next big play, fourth and one. They run a beautiful play where the receiver fakes the block, takes off you know, up the middle of the field, and Daxon Hill saves a touchdown, which they end up scoring on the next play because of tempo. Right? Those, so three big plays in the first half. Right, which is pretty close to what you would want to do for the whole game. They did it in, in the first half, and two of those were actually touchdowns. In the third quarter, fourth and four, <clears throat> slot fade uh, to the right sideline. On fourth and four, they get 28 yards. And that, that one was a backbreaker. Um, not, it didn't end the game, right? But it, it stopped Michigan. I, I'll say this. It stopped Michigan from taking over the ball at midfield, uh, they would have gotten the ball at the 30, you know, 31 yard line, somewhere around there with, uh, you know, a lead. I think at that time they were still up 30 to 14 when that fourth down play happened. Um, you march down and, and score again, and you can probably put that one to bet. And then they made two more explosive plays, the 58 yard, uh, run to the outside. It was a touchdown, and then a two-point conversion, and then a twenty-three-yard run, also a touchdown. So <laughs> that's it. Six plays. <laughs> so Clint, the thing that really brought it into focus for me. So I'm looking at the the overall yardage. Right, Michigan five hundred and fifty-two yards total offense. Michigan State three hundred ninety-five. Right, 
How many times do you think Michigan punted? Okay. Twice. They only punted the ball twice. Michigan State punted the ball five times. The difference was red zone. The difference was trading field goals for touchdowns. And despite that, Michigan was in it was in the position to win. And you know, when you talk about coaching, I think that the only thing a coach can do or or a number one job that a coach does are players in the right position, right? First and foremost. Michigan players were had the opportunity to put that game away. Okay. Um Blake Corum had the chance to make that big play in the first quarter. Um, it's not up to Jim Harbaugh to be out on the field and make sure that J.J. McCarthy and uh, manages that that weave, that exchange, right? And, uh, you know, uh, you don't put on any individual player, right? But it's not like Jim Harbaugh coached him to fumble that ball, right? And and And, and back to that too, right? Talk about you know, my gripe about the broadcast. Okay. So at the stadium, we knew that Cade McNamara wasn't available. Right. So we're all kind of scanning the sideline, trying to see, you know, what's going on, where he is, when he's going to come out to find out later on the broadcast that they didn't even mention that Cade was that why Cade wasn't in the game at that point. Right. That is broadcast malpractice. I mean, you have a sideline reporter. You have one job, right? And, you know, when I look to sideline reporters, you look for them to say something insightful once or twice a game. Okay, hey, so-and-so's hurt. You know, how many times did you see that? How do you miss that? How do you miss that? And um, I I mention this because there are a lot of people in the fan base who are wound up about, you know, J.J. fumbled before. Why was he out there in that situation? Hey, listen, in the pregame podcast, I said, you know, my concern is that perhaps J.J. is going to be out there in the fourth quarter, late in the game, and it's going to be a crazy environment, and, and how do you respond when you're a freshman? I didn't want to be right about that, okay? But it's not like he was out there on a whim, okay? He was out there because Kate wasn't available. And to not to have the broadcast team not mention that, is missing a huge part of the story, right? And I think it's part of the reason that the Michigan fan base is, is kind of revved up um, with the pitchforks on Harbaugh right now. So again, I, I'm, you know, this is one of the reasons I, I kind of make myself watch the broadcast sometimes because you do get to see some replays that you miss in real time. But um, I don't think they did a very good job in presenting that game. Um, I don't think they did a very good job in present in, you know, supporting the video replay, you know, um, supplying the views that would have been helpful for the officials. And I don't think they did a very good job in telling the story of the game because I don't know what else, if you're a sideline reporter, I don't know what else you're watching at that point in the game. And it was the, the flow of the game was just, was brutal, right? The, the timing of the media timeouts, um, it's an escalating problem across all of the different networks, but, but, this particular game with Fox knowing that they were going to have really high ratings, right? They, they really crammed as many of those uh, full media timeouts in and uh, just drives, drives me nuts when there's a a touchdown, take a long break, do the kickoff, take another break, (laughs) bring the offense back out on the field. The the lack of flow in the game is, is frustrating, but 
all of that is just uh, salt in the wound, certainly. You know, I, I, I need Michigan to step up and, and make some big plays and big moments. And, and you know, that this team will win when, when that happens. And they've got players that are capable of doing it. I think that you're right that they were in positions enough times to do it. And, uh, you know, Michigan State made more plays in the big moments. When you boil it down, if there are <clears throat> 11 to 15 deciding plays in that game, you know, Michigan State won the majority of those. And uh, and then here we are. So I don't – it's not the end of the world, right? It, it's – there's still – every goal is still possible for, for the football team. I think it's the fan base now that has kind of leapt off the edge and has now assumed what the next four weeks are going to look like. Right. And, and I think at least as a, as a fan, you should try to stay neutral. You can certainly stay, you certainly be disappointed and, and, and upset about some of the same problems recurring over time. I think that's a legitimate gripe and a legitimate criticism, but to leap to the conclusion of what we're going to see over the next four weeks, I think you're underselling this particular team and these players and, and the, the leadership that these players have shown in the face of adversity before. You know, they, they were well prepared to play that game. They got out to a two-score lead two different times in that game. And you got to give Michigan State a heck of a lot of credit for fighting back and playing well also. Um you know, but I think when it comes down to it, you know, the, the toughest task is is this week of practice and, and being sharp and coming out and looking really, really good at home at night against Indiana and then preparing for yet another, you know, road test against Penn State who just, um, just you know, lost to Ohio State this weekend by nine in a game that was much closer than I think a lot of experts thought, so there's plenty of opportunities to prove yourself in the coming weeks for this team, for Michigan. And that you you have to at least give them a neutral chance to, to prove themselves in that moment. And we'll see what else shakes out uh, around the conference and around the division and around the nation. Harbaugh said it in his uh, press conference. He said, listen, he goes, this team is going to be defined by the next four games. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen the, you know, the team uh, for a long time now, um, you know, the, the way they respond, um, you know, whether it's a, a setback or, or chatter, you know. Um, so I know how they're going to respond. Been around, uh, you know, several of them. Uh, we come back today for meetings, but, uh, you know, very confident that the team will respond like, like they do. Um, which is uh, come back with more resolve, more determined to prepare and uh, get ready for our next ball game. My approach, I mean, very, very similar to uh, you know, a fighter getting knocked, getting knocked down. You know, you get up, referee wipes the wipes your gloves, and uh, and you come back even even more determined um, with even more resolve. Uh, to prepare, to work harder, um, to find a way, to finish, and to win. Yeah, I mean, the Michigan football team, the 2021 team, you know, is going to be defined on by what's already taken place. Um, 
And, you know, what they do this Saturday, what they do the Saturday after that, the Saturday after that, and the Saturday after that. Um, so that's, that's what's going to, that's what's going to define us. Um, so our resolve is to you know, get back to work and uh, get prepared uh, for this, this next opponent. So, so I mean, that's why I woke up today. Um, you know, determined, uh, you know, to attack and uh, with the resolve that it's a, a new season, a new day, a new week, a new four-game season. And let's get at it. The thing that disappoints me when I look back at this game, right, is that in the last quarter and a half, Michigan scored three points, okay? And we can talk about, yes, trading, you know, field goals for touchdowns, you know, earlier in the game, but, hey, that's not going to get it done on the road, okay, against a really good team. And I think um, one of the things that I'm going to do a deep dive and torture myself, um, you know, the next couple of days is I'm really going to focus on that fourth quarter offensively. Um, defensively, listen, I got to tell you, I didn't know how good um, – uh, Kenneth Walker was heading into that game. Wow, he's amazing. That first touchdown that he had where he went into the line and kind of spun out, I mean, listen, that's a next-level athlete. You have to tip your hat. But with that said, you know, in the waning moments of the fourth quarter, Michigan was winning. They had a chance to shut the door. And, again, you know, they were up by two scores several times. You have to – you know, and, and it's repeated. You have to have that killer instinct, right? You have to be able to take them out. And, you know, I got to give credit to Michigan State. They got a lot of dog in them. They did not give up. Okay. They they had very – they were teetering there a few times. Um, and, again, uh, disappointed at the result. I'll, I'll tell you, when Michigan State um, scored the last touchdown, I, I was a little shell-shocked even taking notes. You know, I was like, no, this is – this 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 shouldn't happen. <laughs> so um, definitely understand everyone's frustration, but I think that um, you want to focus on the things that Michigan could control and that they didn't do, such as how their offense um, basically uh, presented itself in that last quarter and a half, and kind of let the officiating and, and some of the uh, the miscues or questions there go because you can't control that, right? Um, now, it is very clear that uh, Coach Harbaugh wasn't too happy with that. But, again, you know, that's um, – you control what you can. And I think that when I think back to this game, it's not going to be about the woulda, coulda, shoulda um, that the officials controlled. It's going to be about, um, you know, that first quarter – uh, incomplete pass to Blake Corum. That that's just gonna, man. That's I have to. And again, I keep saying it. After the first touchdown, the place was quiet. Another touchdown would have taken the crowd right out. Um, so and and I'll tell you that that inexplicable fumble, handing the ball off, the weave, just oh my gosh. You know, uh, how many times have those guys practiced that? Right? How many times? And again, it, it's why you play the game. Some things, sometimes, really bad things happen at inopportune times. Yeah, I, I'll, 
I'm trying to put this into context just for myself, right? Because of the conversations that are happening um, at a high level, you know, whether, whether Harbaugh should stay the coach and, and whether this is more of the same and, and, and that whole part of the conversation. And I'll tell you what, this game reminds me very, very much of the 2016 Ohio State game, right? That here's one one thing that reminds me of, of that game is that if you took those same two teams and played that same game in Ann Arbor, <clears throat> the, the outcome is probably different um, just because of, of what you kind of alluded to about how the environment can, um, can impact uh, particularly the outcome of a review right? That, that piece of it felt very familiar, but also Michigan played well, certainly played well enough to win as they're coming back. You know, Michigan never answered the answer, right? They, they never countered in the, in the third and the fourth quarter to stop the momentum for me. If to make a comparison, I want to see how this team and program responds uh, as compared to the, the bowl game against Florida State and uh, for 2016 and then the beginning of 2017, not looking very sharp. Um, I, I think that that's, that's where I'm at. I think that this team has effectively bounced back from the awful COVID year. I think this team is a step or two ahead of where the 2019 team was. I think the offense is better than it was in 2018 and 2019, just looking at the metrics as, as much as I do, and that this defense is certainly better than last year. That's simple enough. Uh, slightly better than 19 and not quite as good as 2018. Now, that's that's pretty good, right? And if, that, if this new coordinator, new defensive staff um, can tighten up the, the problems that we saw um, on Saturday, then, then that's a, a, a very good thing. You know, some of the problems with rotating guys in, not having your best 11 on the field when those big plays happen, uh, not adjusting to tempo, right? These are things that the coaching staff can control. There's certainly a a certain amount of uh, blame to be laid at the coaching staff's feet for what happened on Saturday, but they can also adjust and correct and, and improve in the next four weeks. So as good as this team has played, I think that they can still play better. think they answered a lot of questions about the passing game on offense and added another playmaker to the mix and Andrew Anthony. And I think, you know, there's, there's certainly a lot to still be hopeful for. I think you take care of business against the two lesser opponents left on the, on the schedule, win a, a big game in happy Valley against Penn state. And then, you know, come talk to me at, at 10 and one going into, uh, you know, the game at, after Thanksgiving. You know, that's that's what is in front of the team. That's what's in front of the program. And, you know, if it if that doesn't work out that way, then I, I'll certainly change their conversation. But that was certainly a really great football game to watch for nonpartisans. It was painful to watch for Wolverine fans like you and I. But to think that now the season is over, dump the coach, all of those conversations you know I, I i have very little patience for it um hey i i just tune it out you know I, I try not to kind of get down into the mud too much on that so um 
I think that there's a lot to play for, and this team has shown enough resolve to this point that I think we at least have to give them a 50-50 shot to believe that they're going to bounce back and uh, and keep things interesting through the month of November. So, as you said, we don't know how the rest of the season is going to work out, right? So, let's say Michigan State suddenly drops two or three games in a row. Then this loss looks worse, right? Michigan State goes on and, uh, you know, ends up winning the division and, and going to the college football playoffs, you know, there's a context to it. It's not a happy context, but like you said, if Michigan goes on and doesn't lose another game, then, you know, this is a blemish on an otherwise great season. So, uh, you know, and, and it was interesting because we were talking, I was talking to some people right after the game, and I said, well, okay, you know, because I had some people who were pretty down on Michigan. And I said, okay, I get it. I'm, I'm pretty, I was pretty salty after the game. But are you saying right now you don't think Michigan can beat Ohio State? And if they do, you wouldn't take that. And like, well, of course I would. I said, okay, so we don't know, right? That's, you know, we could, we, you know, we would not have imagined this game prior to the season being this competitive, right? Being so nationally important. And that's one of the reasons you always say you play the games, right? You let the season play out. So um, I think one advantage that this team has over the 2016 team is they have another game right after this one to kind of wash the, the, the taste out of their mouth, right? They need to get focused. They need, they have an opportunity to still end this season strong and they got Ohio state at home. Okay. So all those advantages that Michigan state had, Michigan will have when they play the Buckeyes. And, um, you know, they've struggled against Ohio State under Coach Harbaugh, but this is a new season, and they need to take these lumps and and grow from it. So, I mean, really, that's that's all you could do. And, and, you know, the thing that I always think when there's really negative people, it's like, so so you're saying we should just quit right now, right? We should not even play the rest of the season. Well, no, that's not what I'm saying. Well, yeah, but that's how you're acting, right? Like, we're done with Harbaugh. He should just put his headset down and walk off the field. You know, we'll just move on to our next phase. As with real life, you don't have that luxury. You can't just quit because you, you had a bad thing happen, right? And I think that, um, you know, Michigan is going to move on. We are going to learn a lot about this team in the next couple weeks. And, again, listen, if they fold up the tent, if they if they mail in the rest of the season – then we will have a conversation about the coaching situation. But as of right now, we have an incomplete, okay? I saw a a disappointing game from Michigan's perspective, but it was a great game. Michigan State is not a bad team, okay? And I I think that um, it's going to be real interesting to see how this this carries on. Now, I I have, you know, I can do the doom, gloom, and destruction thing, right? Right? So, you know, in, in my world, you know, my metrics on how I rate any Michigan coach, it's when is the last time we've won a national championship? Okay, been quite a while. When's the last time we've won the Big Ten? Again, quite a while. And when's the last time we've beaten Ohio State? Quite a while, right? Well, we still have the opportunity to beat Ohio State. I'll tell you that the disappointing thing or the frustrating thing about losing to Michigan State is that's not even on my dashboard, Okay, and I know that's the kind of thing that'll drive Michigan State fans crazy, but it's not. Okay, Um, if you give me those other three things, I can lose to Michigan State. 
Okay. I don't think you would, but I'll tell you the concern I have after watching this Michigan State team is wow, they may have a really strong program growing that that could be a consistent problem for us. Um, but that's something to worry about next year. Um, and again, you still have a lot of interesting opportunities ahead for this team this season. Yeah, I, I again, there's there's no question about the the, the foundation that this team's built on. Right. But now they got to finish. Right. It's almost if you put the season into the context of what we've talked about with this Michigan State game. Right. They got off to a very, very great start and they just hit a blip here in the third quarter of the season. So it, it's time to answer and to finish well and finish strong. And and then let's see how things shake out as as we're into the middle and then the end of November, because there's a, a lot of, of big games and, and big shakeups that are that are going to happen in the next four weeks so you know got to move on certainly have to uh have to learn from the mistakes like you said take your lumps and uh and come back stronger and again as i believe personally that this team is much more capable of that than previous teams because of the quality of leadership that we've seen from this team um not just from one guy or two guys but multiple players, multiple upperclassmen on both sides of the ball with the right attitude, the right uh, demeanor. And uh, I, I expect them to play well this Saturday at Indiana. And then um, I expect them to go on the road and, and play well in a hostile environment against Penn State. So we'll see. We'll see where we're at in a couple of weeks. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.